and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am a boyfriend. And this week, it's musicals we really should have seen by now. Yes, because you have not seen the musical that we are covering. No. We've talked about it before. We've talked about it before because we have an episode due to launch Mm -hmm. this Friday where we discuss... The Slipper and the Rose, with Ray from Not Before Coffee. Yes, indeed. So episode two of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast is launching this Friday. And we spoke with Ray and we talked about The Slipper and the Rose as it was her favourite musical. Yeah. And talking with her, I really wanted to watch this one Mm -hmm. because... She sounded so passionate about it. And this wasn't just like a nostalgia-driven musical for her. This was one that she's she's watched quite frequently. And obviously, we won't spoil that episode. It's coming your way Friday. But mm-hmm. definitely piqued my interest and made me want to watch it. And I thought, what better way than to make a week of it? Yeah. But you've not seen it at all. Had you heard about it? I had heard of it before. I knew I know a couple of the songs. Yep. Just from <laughs> cabarets okay, and fair. things like that. Well, it won an Academy Award. Yeah. As well. One, mm. one of the songs won an Academy Award. Because this isn't a stage show musical. No. This is a film musical mm. with music done by the Sherman Brothers. And this won an Academy Award. I don't know which song it won for, but that's pretty awesome. Uh, I was going to say, do you want to guess? But you're you're not going to know any of the songs. Any of the songs, yeah. So the best original song at the Academy Awards went to the Slipper in the Rose Waltz, which is he slash she danced with me. Which on our episode that is upcoming, when we talk about it with Ray, that is one of the songs that she said was one of the best written songs in her opinion. But this is it. This is a musical that already I can tell. Mm-hmm. Is underrated. Yeah. I've just put out the feelers for the poll. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, like, yes, I'm a fan, it's okay, and no, I don't like it, I just put a question mark next to it. Because I think it's going to be one that not many people have heard of. And sure enough, very early on in this poll, a lot of responses in the question mark section. And this is an Academy Award winner, so why is it so underrated? This is a retelling of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. This is a Sherman Brothers musical. So. Wow. How many retellings of Cinderella's are there? Well, at this point, I'd argue we'd have had Grimm's, Mm -hmm. Disney, Mm -hmm. Rodgers and Hammerstein. And a whole bunch of other ones as well. Okay, but then... You'd be surprised. But I would say those are the three most famous. Yeah. I couldn't tell you anything else. Okay. I certainly don't think there's been another Cinderella musical at this point. And not off the top of my head, but, no. you know, I'm, my brain isn't infallible. <laughs> and we talked last year when we covered the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella about how, what else do you do with the formula? How do you make Cinderella a different story? And from talking with Ray, this musical seems to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see how that works. Yeah, me too. So this movie, musical came out in 1976. It is a British production, cool. which makes a nice change for us. Yes. <laughs> for once. 
and they wanted to retell Cinderella but give everybody else a chance to shine as well as her. Because I think all too often we do focus more on Cinderella than anyone else. Yeah. Like, like I love a panto. Yes. And pantomimes do a really good job of, I think, centralizing the focus, not just on Cinderella, but then you get buttons as well. And which if you've never seen a pantomime version of Cinderella and you have no idea who Buttons is, you are missing out. Oh yeah, definitely. Because that's always the character I wanted to play. Yeah. And I think that's sorely missing is that we never really get much to do with the prince or the prince's side of it. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of here. Rogers and Hammerstein started to touch upon it. But yeah. Not enough for my liking. Yeah. And that evolved in later years with the revivals and the rewrites on top of the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. Yeah. We got a lot about like the prince got a song called Me, Who Am I? Where he was trying to figure out what kind of king he was going to be. And what that meant for his people and his country, but without actually knowing anything about his people. And then there's like a weird little peasant uprising. Oh, jeez. Which is great, because then the prince comes down and is like, you're right, I should be listening to the people. You know, we should have a democracy, which is great. Hmm. So basically he lost his job. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) Like he's still, he's an elected official, but then they're going to have like a... Like a townsperson who's also elected Jeez. to talk a to a mayor him. or something. Yeah, basically. Well, I guess a prime minister. Yeah, but you know, it's very good. Yeah. So Brian Forbes directed this, and then we have obviously the Sherman Brothers, the wonderful Sherman Brothers, who wrote both the music and the screenplay, but with Brian Forbes. Cool. So they are very involved in this. It's not like they were a last minute addition. Yeah. They are very, very involved in this. And Brian Forbes was like an actor for a really long time and then a director and then a screenwriter. And he's done everything, basically. But he also notably did Whistle Down the Wind and The Stepford Wives. Whistle Down the Wind? Yeah. Why do I recognise that name? Well, (laughs) because there's a song called Whistle Down the Wind... Which is, it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical about some kids who find a homeless guy in their barn and they think he's Jesus. Okay, yes. Um, Jeez. We need to cover that. Yeah. Um, But this, the version that he directed is just the film. There's the musical version afterwards. But (laughs) the version of... Whistle Down the Wind, that you will know is the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that contains the song No Matter What. No matter what they <laughs> tell yeah. you. Yeah, that's why it's familiar, because I was listening to it going, well, that's Boyzone. Boy oh, yeah. man. No matter what they do. An absolute pop also. I mean, at first I was mistaking it with the Raymond Briggs, like... Yeah. animated one about the old couple in like a nuclear apocalypse no because i think that's when the wind blows or something yeah which would make a weird musical mm-hmm. but i kind of want to also... see that as a musical now oh yeah well so brian forbes also became the head of emi films cool and then also did uh the railway children the 1971 which i particularly never enjoyed. seen a version of the railway children <sighs> we literally could have watched the play the other day I know, but the play is one that I feel like you have to experience. My mum saw the play. 
It's incredible. And she loved it. The, yeah. the one with the train going into the station. She directed it with her school a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go see it because different areas. Mm-hmm. But Railway Children is not one I've seen. And I think that the play will lose impact. Kind of like Pippin. If you're not there, it won't have the same gravitas. Yeah. Cool. So Brian Forbes, very successful. Obviously, the Sherman Brothers need no introduction. We've covered them earlier this month with bed knobs and broomsticks mm-hmm. i have seen mary poppins one and obviously their musical stylings are heavily referenced yes. in mary poppins returns was this one of the last things they did together no the sherman brothers went on doing stuff for a very okay. very long time so this is 1976 they were still working on chitty chitty bang bang when the show was on tour in this country when i saw it as a child like they were there at the performance that i was at which was very cool i did not appreciate that as a child obviously probably had more nightmares than anything else not about chitty mary poppins the stage musical of mary poppins gave me a lot of nightmares yeah but you were a sick child and i think mary poppins has that (laughs) you want to rephrase that you're a sick child (laughs) Thanks. But Mary Poppins, I don't know, perhaps it's just because I always associate that with illness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mary Poppins is a weird fever dream. So this film is made. Yeah. It obviously goes on to win an Academy Award for best song. Mm-hmm. Why is it not a bigger deal? Exactly. Because upon release, its reception was that they had taken a beloved story yeah. and sort of stretched it out to as long as they could make it last. Because this is a long movie. Yeah. It's 143 minutes. That is a hefty, yeah. hefty movie. Not an unreasonable stage show. No. But, but for a film of a musical, this is a lot. And... What the general thought was, was that the songs for this were forgettable. Okay. And that for the Sherman Brothers, who did very well by Mary Poppins and Tom Sawyer, were off stride here. So that is one of the reviews that they got. People think that it sounds like old, like sort of 40s, 50s era Broadway. Yeah. And that because this came out in... 70s people weren't attached to that sound anymore it was nostalgic for some people but not good for a new audience yeah it's a sort of thing where you know if you're making oklahoma in the 70s -hmm. people be nostalgic for oklahoma so they'll want to go watch it but how can you be nostalgic for a brand new thing that yes. already feels old-fashioned on launch. Yeah, exactly. This felt like it was a revival of something else. Yeah. But they said that generally people thought that Richard Chamberlain and Gemma Craven, who res- play the Prince and Cinderella respectively, were fantastically cast. They liked that a lot of the songs sounded like actual Broadway songs rather than movie musical songs. They liked the script. They liked the way that things had been changed and added. And particularly, people liked The King and The Fairy Godmother. Every single review I've read for this is like, The King, The Fairy Godmother, The King, The Fairy Godmother. They were the most loved characters, interestingly. So this is just overlong 
and a little too old-fashioned. Yes. But okay. everybody said it was enjoyable and that the songs are appropriate in context, which I so, think is something we always talk about. Yeah, that's very important that when we watch something and we talk later on about best and skip songs, mm-hmm. that really indicates that a lot of these won't be transferable. Not that I think we'll be able to find many of these on Spotify anyway, no. but these probably don't stand a chance at making it on the list. Yeah. Because I think it is important, you know, that some of the songs that we really like listening to literally require no context. You can just put them on and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that we may like, but don't work without the context. Yes. Well, if you think about it in the way of, we were in the car the other day, and Why Can't the English came on yes. from My Fair Lady. I love that song. It's hilarious. It's a nice bit of comedy when you have uh, Rex Harrison running up to people and harassing them over their accents. But when you just listen to it, that song is not as enjoyable. I don't know. I quite enjoyed it, but maybe it's because... But are you picturing what's happening? It's the same thing, I think, for me that when like I listen to the Wind in the Willow soundtrack, which for me doesn't happen. I don't listen to soundtracks unless I've seen the show. Yeah, I force that But you force that upon me. And I instead looked at how I would stage it and like pictured the set pieces myself. Yeah. So I think I do the same that when I listen to things like that, I know kind of what's going on and I picture the set piece. Mm. See, because you come at it from a place of direction, whereas I come at at it from... if I was in it. Yeah. You know, if I was Rex Harrison or, Mm. you know, Mr. Toad or Chief Weasel. See, but this is the thing. That's what I think about. I think, how am I performing this? Because I'm usually singing along if we're in the car or the shower, you know, either or. And I will perform my little heart out in the car, but some of these songs don't fit that way. I don't know. I think it's interesting. So that will be an interesting thing when we watch this show that... There'll be songs I like in the moment of it, but how well will I remember them when we sit down to record? Yeah. However, the overwhelming thought was that even though there are shortcomings to this show, they are abundantly outweighed by the wit and zest of both the writing and playing. So it's supposed to be funny and enjoyable and a good laugh. Good. That's what I want. Yeah, me too. I like the story of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea that we get more of the prince in this one. And yeah. The prince's side of it. You know, Ray sold me on this one. And I've been very excited to watch it since. Funny story. We were literally just about to sit down and purchase it on Amazon Prime. Yep. Thinking, cool, it'll get here tomorrow and we'll record and watch. Mm-hmm. Only to find it's been added onto Amazon Prime. It wasn't there a few weeks ago when we were talking to Ray about I it. I know. It's because exciting. Because obviously I was looking at it and thinking, right, how do we make this work? So it's meant to be. It really is a fairy tale story in terms of presenting itself. Yeah. Fairy Godmother is looking down on this podcast. Mm-hmm. There's only one real question I have left before we sit down and watch this. Which is? Will this be a good Cinderella or will this be a bad Cinderella? Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm proud of that Do you know how many times I've had that advert pop up on YouTube? 
It is literally every time I click on something. Every time. Andrew Lloyd Webber is not making me like his Cinderella because that's the only advert I see at the moment. And as soon as I hear it starting, I'm like, gotta skip, get me out of here. But I think that's part of the problem in the fact that we run a musical podcast mm-hmm. and the bulk of our internet usage and any cookies we may have will be musical themed. So yeah. we've only got ourselves to blame. Mm-hmm. I still want to see it. I, st- I do want to see it. I just think when at the point at which we get to that song, wherever it's placed in the show, and I think it's going to be a second act, 11th hour yeah. kind of song. Do you know, um, I've still not heard it. Good for you. Congratulations. The only one I've heard was the one that was on All Star Musical. Is that not the same song? I thought it was a brand new song. Oh, yeah, no, the one you heard was the, I know I have a heart because you broke it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I get, call me bad Cinderella. But this, is, <laughs> but this is why you don't listen to the soundtrack before you see the musical. I'm trying not, not to. Because <laughs> then you're not bored. I'm really trying not to. So, it is 11.30 and, and the clock is steadily ticking down. Mm-hmm. I think it's time that we, you know, got our dance on before, mm-hmm. you know, the clock strikes midnight. Oh, yeah. And we run out of time. Absolutely. So we will be back very, very shortly to talk about the slipper and the rose. Woohoo! See you soon. Good kings, bad kings, sane kings or mad kings. Benevolent or nefarious, here is where they bury us. Oh, ho, ho, what a comforting thing to know. There's a prearranged spot in the family plot where my royal bones will go. Yes, I'll be slipped into the beautiful family crypt. Oh, ho, ho, what a comforting thing to know. And we are back. We have been to the ball and returned. Just before midnight. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, I listened to my fairy godmother. Mm, We followed the instructions. To a T. To a T. Left before midnight. Weren't hanging around in the garden by the water fountain. I mean, it took me longer to get home because of all the champagne I'd been drinking. Mm -hmm. But I still left before midnight. Obviously, of course. So, you know, I just, I misplaced the coach. So I wandered home. (laughs) (laughs) So did she. This was a really surprising musical. Yes, it really, really was. I wasn't expecting to enjoy this as much as I did. I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it was. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be as well made as it was. And I think that's because it's kind of like a forgotten musical. Yeah. And it it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. No, it was so good. We had such a good time. This is something that should absolutely be a classic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't for the life of me understand why it's not. Because it was brilliant. Yeah. 
I have nothing to say on the subject. Yeah. I think it was great. I don't know why this hasn't become bigger. Other than that, it's shown a lot on TV. Yeah. And it's very long. It is very long, but I don't feel like there's anything I would cut. I don't know. We'll talk about it as we go through. Mm -hmm. And maybe there'll be bits that you don't like that you would cut. Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head now of anything that was filler. No, me either. This for me also feels very perfect to be on a stage in the West End or on Broadway. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the music is great. The music is catchy. Well, apparently it's very commonly performed by Amdram groups yes. and operatic societies, which I can see. I think the music is nostalgic, but in a nice way, it feels... Comforting. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't feel out of place. If you were to say that this was from like Rodgers and Hammerstein era, I'd believe you. And I don't think that's an issue that it was done you know, after that sort of time period. It's the Sherman brothers doing their own spin on the style, but keeping their sound to it. Oh, absolutely. But I think when, with them, you've obviously got fantastic shows, like Mary Poppins, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Which you still haven't seen. But I know it's them and I know how beloved it is. Mm Mm-hmm. I think everyone's going to have that one show people forget exists. Yeah. Because you're up against such juggernauts. But I really liked this one. And I think it starts so triumphantly. The really lovely opening fanfare. Mm -hmm. Straight away, the music sounds great. I did say, though, there's one bit where we hear the... Call me bad Cinderella. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he sampled from this. It sounds very like bad Cinderella. Mm -hmm. So I would be, I I, I kind of makes me want to see it more now because I want to know how much tie-in the two have. Yeah, we need to watch all the Cinderella musicals before we go and see yeah. this one because I feel like I'm I'm hearing more and more. If you are able to find The Slipper and the Rose, if you're in the UK, it is on Amazon Prime for free. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where you'll be able to access it in the US. If you can, watch it. And very early on, literally, like within the first 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. See Overture. You'll hear in the Overture. And I had to replay it to you just to be like is that bad cinderella so if you're listening and you've not seen this before or you have seen it either way go back listen to it and tell us your thoughts does it sound like andrew lloyd webber's bad cinderella Mm. be interested to know if it's just me looking for a link that's not there i thought this is interesting the prince gets top billing well he's the main character he is the main character but if you don't know that that's interesting because this is cinderella i think it's very clear what you're watching is cinderella yeah. So interesting that the first person we see named is the prince. That's not what we traditionally have with the Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. And I think that very early on lets you know what's going to be happening here. I really loved the sweeping shots. I have no clue where they are or why they are travelling. Yep. Oh, it- we were actively trying to figure out what was going on here because neither of us have seen this. Yes. So we were playing like... Why does it look like this is a funeral procession if this is the prince coming home or maybe he's leaving? And 
the closest reference I have for the, the kind of style of this, it's The Shining. <laughs> Do you know what I mean in terms of the opening to The Shining? Yeah, sure. That's, Driving up to the castle yeah, or the hotel. Yeah, but that's what this moment is. And I wondered, are we starting at the end? Is this him dejectedly coming home, having not found the girl who fits the slipper? Yeah. I don't know at this point, but we are going to learn very, very quickly because I made that connection in a few scenes time. But it's very clever, actually, mm-hmm. what they've done here. The fact that you can then pick it up a few scenes later and be like, oh, my days, that's so brilliant. Yes. Really lovely opening. So we here. have the two processions. There's a what looks like a funeral procession with carriages all in black and black horses yep. and black plumes on the horses and everything. And then? And then the royal procession, which is all just men on horseback. And they literally miss each other by mm-hmm. maybe 30 seconds. Yep. And the prince arrives home and he says, why can't a prince come home without a fuss? Mm-hmm. He is very quickly established as a simple man who is bored. Yes. With royal life, with... Having being expected to just meet these girls and just get married. Yes, and I quite like instantly the way they introduce us to the prince. He doesn't come across whiny. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come across spoilt. He comes across really kind of like genuine and nice. Yeah, because you run the risk, I think nowadays especially, of having these sort of royal characters... Who are like, oh, but I'm so bored of my royal life, my royal ways. Like, Mm -hmm. it's made fun of in a lot of more modern Cinderella things. Yes. It's like, oh, poor rich boy. Exactly. But here it's it's a case of, I want to be able to marry for love. Mm -hmm. And I will do everything I'm supposed to do for the kingdom. But I don't understand why you have to do this. Yeah. So I really like that. I also like that you can show how bored he is of the routine because he can time the Lord Chamberlain's arrival. Yeah, I think it's really nice. under can, 10 seconds. Yeah, and it's it's you can see how monotonous this life can be, that there is no kind of deviation from the schedule. Mm-hmm. And it's things like that, that regardless of, you know, our poor rich boy, everyone can kind of understand when your life is in such a rut, when you are a slave to routine, mm-hmm. everyone can kind of identify with that as a plot point. And I, I thought that. Yeah, so Edward was away. He was in Carlsfeld which is a neighbouring kingdom, he was supposed to meet their princess. Yeah, he's supposed to come home engaged. Yeah, he was expected to propose to her because she had a portrait that was very beautiful. Yes, he was catfished. Basically. But he didn't propose to the princess. No, he stuck to the status quo. Yes, and he denounces arranged marriages. He says he's not interested in meeting a girl that anybody else has picked out for him. Yes, and we get our first song... Why can't I be two people? Mm-hmm. And all he asks, simple request, why can't he live two roles? Why can't he be a prince mm-hmm. and do the things he is supposed to? But why can't he also be a bachelor who finds a love on his terms? Mm-hmm. Again, really, really nice introduction to this character. He's not whiny. He's not privileged, spoiled. He will happily do the life he's got. He just wants one thing for himself. Yes. And I got also got very excited because the prince has his little sidekick, who, and this is called John, 
But I love Cinderella pantos. I've yeah. been in a couple of Cinderella pantos. And Dandini is the best character. So this is our Dandini character. Yes. And this song I really like. It gives off some serious Why Can't Be English <laughs> vibes. Yeah. Like the rhythm and the kind of tempo to it. Very much feels like... Yeah, there's a lot of talk singing. Yeah, which I like. Mm. I feel like for me trying to sing the song that I just covered yeah. was a lot easier because I can talk sing it a little bit more. Yes, that's true. And I like that as a device. Obviously, if it was the, if it was the norm, I don't think I'd enjoy it the same way. But because it's so different, because you don't see it often, mm-hmm. I liked this song. You can definitely hear that this is the Sherman Brothers. You can hear strains of other shows coming yes. through. And it's a lot clearer with two songs in, spe- in particular later on. Yeah. But here, I can I can hear... Them. Chitty vibes. <laughs> I, it wasn't for me chitty vibes, but I could hear kind of the playfulness mm-hmm. that I've come to expect from them with bed knobs, yes. Mary Poppins. I think this might be one of the more like mature ones they've done in a weird way. Like it's still very much a family friendly fair. Yeah, it's weird because it's a fairy tale, but this is definitely not for kids. It's not aimed at kids. No, whereas I would say bed knobs, chitty, and Mary Poppins are. Mm. For younger viewers primarily. Yeah. And you could show this to younger viewers. You could. But it's not aimed at them. No, exactly. It's accessible for them, but not mm-hmm. in the same way. We meet the king, and for some reason, he is holding a giant foam dice. Yeah, I forgot about that. They're playing some kind of game in the throne room. It make, the, the, the game is completely unconsequential. We never learn the rules. We never see anything more other than a dice is rolled, people move. We don't know what they're doing. I think him and the queen made up a game and they just have the people in their court play it. and Yeah, they're forcing the courtiers to play, but nobody actually knows what the rules are. And the king and the chamberlain haven't communicated yet. And the king isn't listening Mm -hmm. to Edward's request to stop. And is under the assumption his son is now engaged and therefore can be knighted. It's not so much knighted as he's going to have this honour bestowed on him, but it typically goes to knights after they've died. Yes, it's a weird thing. So the king goes to pick up the heavy sword and he has weak wrists. He can't manage it. So he gets his Nearly slices off Edward's like shoulders with it. So he gets Mm. the baby sword. Yeah. And... He has the same names as the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. No, he doesn't. Okay, but he's got multiple He's got a names. bunch of names, but yeah. in the Rogers and Hammerstein one, it's not They're the same. different names, but he's it's that same joke. And I wonder, I've never heard that joke from a Cinderella before. His Royal Highness, Christopher Rupert. Yeah, I've, I've heard it in that one, but I've never heard it in any other forms of Cinderella before. So I wonder, is that... Is that's that something fair. that's been lost in translation? Like, I've never read the original source. I think it's just a funny joke that... Do you think the prince it... has a bunch of names because in the Rogers and Hammerstein one, the queen also has a whole bunch of names. Do you think then that this is a little bit of a homage to the Rogers and Hammerstein that they're like, we're not going to give him the same names, but we're going to use that joke. But obviously, we know we've not come up with it. Well, the Rogers and Hammerstein one did come first. Yeah, by a, like twenty years. Exactly. So it would have been the most popular stage version of mm. a musical Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah. So after the prince has had 
the ceremony completed. He stands up and the king kisses him on the cheeks and the queen says, that's my favourite part. I sometimes award medals to the whole regiment. Yeah, she gets to kiss all the boys. That's so funny. That's really nice. That uh, Okay, maybe the one thing about this film that I think doesn't get enough of is the queen. Yeah, because she's funny. Yeah. And it, but again, it, I don't know. It's disappointing because she has these little moments here. Are they as funny if she has more moments or more character? Or, you know, will they lose the impact if we see more of her? I don't know, but we don't really have much. I think this is one of the only notes I ever took about the queen. Mm-hmm. So. That's fair. That's fair. We have the king and the queen singing, what has love got to do with being married? What? Which is a hilarious statement to have from your parents. Yes. And we learn that love, he's doing it for love. Mm -hmm. But the king and queen are like, why? Yeah. They basically sing this whole song saying, oh, well, you'll like each other. Yeah. Eventually. We might not love each other. It doesn't really matter. We didn't love each other and we don't really love each other now, but we have fun. Yeah. It's a weird confession to have from your parents, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then Montague butts in and he is... Which you said this a couple of times. I at no point caught his name. It, I only know because I saw the credit for Montague and I, I noticed that because obviously it's a famous name, isn't it? Yes. You know, I'm always going to, you know, in some way if a character's called Capulet, I would notice. Yeah. And he's the... Cousin to... I'm visiting my cousin. Cousin to Prince Edward. Yes, I, so he must be the king's brother's son because... Or the king's sister's son because yeah. the king finds him wildly irritating and he is next in line after Edward. And and they're like, you must marry because if you don't, he will take We're over. We're stuck with him, yeah. yeah. He comes across very Rex Harrison as well. Yeah, he does. And he sort of looks like a very, very young... Oh, my God. Who showed up in Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Nice to see you. To see you nice. Bruce Forsyth. He looks like a very, very young Bruce I Forsyth. I missed out on the most fantastic joke Yeah, with, with that sequence. I should have said, instead of nice to see you, I should have said, knife to see you. Boo. <laughs> Boo. So I'm saying it now. Mm-hmm. I've I've kicked myself for weeks. A retroactive joke. Yeah, retroactive joke. Yeah, he does look like a very young Bruce Forsyth. There was a lot of like very British comedians that I could see in him. Mm-hmm. You know, Drop Dead Fred nowadays would be great at, as that character. Yeah, Rick, and I think Rick this Mile. actor was a comedian. It's Julian Orchard. He's fantastic. Yeah been in hundreds and hundreds of different things yeah and he was great here but he's best known for carry on movies yeah i can so see he's a carry on actor we get the line from the king that a line of royal giants is at stake and you know as well as i do Mm -hmm. i like stakes in my musical i like I just 100% did not understand what you just said. You were thinking meat, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. Which is like, Danny, you, you don't eat it. Like, what? I like it when there is something that could be lost mm-hmm. in terms of a plot. And a lot of musicals we've covered have that. Oh, absolutely. And I think it, it changes the dynamic of the world. And especially it changes the dynamic of the prince. Because there's far more... 
that he has going on than he ever does before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, perhaps descendants should have used the same logic that you can't be king until you're married. Mm. Because I think Descendants 2 showed that Ben isn't ready to rule a kingdom yet. Yeah. And I like the idea here that he has to get married sooner because obviously his parents are getting older, Mm. weaker, feebler. So we've got two kind of issues there that obviously we pass away, you can't be king. And that puts us vulnerable. But also, we are already vulnerable. We are a small country. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We establish it through this movie. The reason they want him to marry so badly is that they're actually being invaded, essentially, from all directions. Everyone around them, they're such a small kingdom that everybody on all sides of them thinks they're essentially a waste of land and wants to take them over. And so they need Edward to marry somebody who lives in a bordering kingdom that is big enough to protect them from other kingdoms so that they'll sort of merge. Exactly. So there's a diplomatic reason for it, which instantly makes you kind of understand why... He's not about it, yeah. Yeah, and, and but also understand the king's perspective. You can see both sides of this argument. It's not just marry her because that's tradition. It's mm-hmm. you need to be a strong king. And this will make you a strong king. So it's nice that the two perspectives obviously disagree with the arranged marriage anyway. But it's at least nice that the king has a reason for it that Mm -hmm. can be justifiable. And then we go over to Cinderella. And the significance of the opening makes sense. Yes, really suddenly. They're all wearing black and they've just arrived back at their... Manor house. Manor house, yeah. I was trying to think of a way to describe it. It looks like a castle. But yeah, I guess the manor. And... They were the ones in the funeral procession because Cinderella's father has just died. Yep, and their paths crossed. I mm-hmm. liked that. We got a very spirited Cinderella as well. The f- I think the first Cinderella movie I've ever seen where she properly has a go at the stepmother. Yeah, and I don't Good think... For her. We've never seen a Cinderella where we have an older Cinderella losing her dad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's always when she's young. But also a Cinderella who's just starting her kind of servant lifestyle. Yeah. Because she comes home and she goes upstairs and she's going to her bedroom and the stepmother says, your bedroom, this is my house now and their rooms are mine and you're Mm. very lucky that I'm keeping you here. I don't have to. By law, she has to. Well, but she wouldn't if she... If she didn't have to, she wouldn't be keeping her, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to do your father a favour... I could send you to the orphanage. You have no biological parents, but I'm going to do the right thing and look after you like I promised my poor dead husband I would. Mm -hmm. But you're going to live downstairs and you're going to serve us. And if you don't like it, there's the door. Yes. And she says, unfortunately, due to your father's death, we've had to make some economic decisions around here. Yes. Which is that they've had to fire all of the servants. Yeah. And I like that we don't get really over the top ugly stepsisters. They are just... Wicked stepsisters. Yes. What I'm a, nice a big fan change. of the evil stepsisters, the wicked stepsisters, rather than ugly. Because yes. that's never anywhere in these older that's Cinderella's. A Disney it, That's thing. a Disney edition, yeah. yeah. And I have instant hate for the step family. Again, this film does a great job at creating the characters mm. and making me me. 
the right choice straight away. Just, they do such a great job of it. And the costumes in this film are just phenomenal. Mm. But we learn when they enter the house, the stepmother and the stepsisters instantly just shed their black attire and are wearing the gaudy colours that we associate with the stepsisters. Yes. Cinderella's entire outfit is black. She was wearing a black dress with a black cape over it. And it just shows you what horrible people they are. Like, they did not care enough to purchase new dresses. Because you, you wouldn't own mourning clothes. No. Because it's an unexpected But we death. always know that anyway. They, they've kind of taken over this rich widow's estate married him knowing he's probably not going to live in some versions he's already weak in some versions she poisons him and in some versions she just dies yeah but i think they've clearly they have no remorse for it because they just saw it as a free house mm-hmm. and i don't think he was in debt i think they just fired the staff and thought we're gonna live with the rest of the money for free and I like that about this version, though. I just dislike them instantly. I feel like they're really... They're just really nasty. They are wicked. Mm-hmm. So Cinderella goes downstairs and she seems to have a bit of a breakdown when she sees these mice. The mice eating a loaf of bread. The yeah. wax food, yeah. They're so cute. But they, yeah, they didn't look nightmarish. It didn't look like... Yeah, they're she... not, it's not like scary mice. It's those pristine little white pink-eyed mice yeah, that they, they always really used in old movies. Cute. We go into Once I Was Loved. Mm-hmm. And once, once I Was Loved, she mm-hmm. knew she was loved. Basically, is the point of this song. Um, the piano playing in this one is really great in terms of the instrument and the sides. Yeah, it's lovely. And yeah, she's gone to the graveyard to like, pay respect to her dad. We see that there's two other bouquets of flowers there. So some time has passed. I don't think we learn how much time has passed. But No, we don't. But there must have been a jump that yeah. isn't clear. I imagined it was a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah. And then the prince is casually frolicking through a graveyard with his friend. They're riding through their horse, joking, having fun. <laughs> yeah. So there's the the royal... Mausoleum. Yes, that's exactly the word I was looking for. The yeah. royal mausoleum. And then outside the mausoleum, there's obviously all these earth graves, which are for the upper class. Because Cinderella's father's buried there. So to be buried next to the mausoleum must be... Something, yeah. Something. It's not a pauper's grave, you know? No, no a pauper's grave would be thrown in the river, wouldn't it, really? Back in this day. No, it would be like six to a grave. Yeah. So he's gone with his friend to show them the family tomb. Mm-hmm. And it is a really sobering thought to stare at your grave. Because it's, it's got his name on it. Yeah, and his birth date. Uh, yeah, birth date. Luckily, no death date underneath it. Like, no Decided that this is when you'll die. You know, it is a really, like, sobering thought to stare at your grave and contemplate your own morality. And I was expecting this song to be kind of lame. <laughs> because I was thinking it's going to be a slow song. But no, it's really It's fun. great. So the prince, very, very sarcastically is talking about how, oh, how comforting it is to know that my entire life has been planned out, even to the point of that they know where they're going to bury me. Exactly. What's a comforting thing to know? Yes. And John and Edward have a little frolic. Yep. My favourite thing about this is where he shows 
all the different graves and we learn how King Ferdinand reigned for 30 minutes because he drunkenly fell off the roof. Yes, he was so drunk at the party, he fell off the roof. We have a king who was beheaded and, and his, his... his stone head comes off of his grave. We have a king who was who stole taxes from the people and that when he died, everybody cried hip hip hooray. Which <laughs> is a great... Everybody cried hip hip hooray. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's such a great little comedic scene. But then also we just have some parallel bars that we're just going to... Swing off of. They swing together. Yes. And it's really cute. It's I cute. And John has good pointy toes. I started to think that maybe the reason that none of these princesses were quite taking the, the prince's fancy is because he has... A love yeah. right next to him. He 100% is just in love with John. But John, and I said this to you already, and I think this is around the time that Prince Edward figures it out, but I'd already twigged because I actually paid attention. Oh yeah, you noticed this. I didn't even notice. <laughs> yes, he um, has a thing for one of the Queen Mother's maidens. Ladies and waiting. Yes. And, but it is. I was like, oh look, he's flirting with her and you missed it. And it's, it's, it's a quick shot. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. But mm. I, I'd... It's one of the rare times I'd actually notice something in between taking notes. Yes. I think I'm getting better. Yeah, so John is Prince Edward's manservant, essentially. He's billed as his bodyguard, but that's never said. They refer to him as being a servant. And the hierarchy is that he shouldn't be allowed to talk to a lady-in-waiting yes. because of his rank. Yes. Yeah, and, and the prince is like, oh... That's really sad. I never thought about it like that either. Oh, poor people have problems too. But I like that he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry. He he seems quite apologetic. He's like, I didn't notice that. And I'm really sorry that you're going through the same hell I am. Yeah. And that's quite nice. I yeah. like that. Yeah. And he, he immediately questions, well, like, well, why can't you be with her? And John's like, because I'm a servant. Yeah. And she's a lady. And this will be picked up later. Yes. The prince sees Cinderella, and of course, John is a great bodyguard. Because Didn't he even says, notice her. I saw nothing. She was at the window of the mausoleum watching them swing on the parallel bars. Going, oh, oh. Yeah. I was. I mean, that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's very impressive. I, the great thing about the parallel bars is there is literally no reason for them to actually be there. They don't serve a purpose within the actual mausoleum. So you say that, but I've seen mausoleums with that before. I am somebody who likes architecture. I yep. like art. I'm an art person and I like going to galleries, but I also have done a lot of tours of mausoleums. In tours Tausoleums. And a lot of them have this architecture. Okay. I've never been in a mausoleum. So. However, the bars that they're using are not are not like wrought iron bars. These no. are actual parallel bars because they have the bend them. Yeah, in you them. can see them moving. So Cinderella arrives home and the stepmother thinks that she has stolen flowers and says, you're no longer allowed to leave without my permission. How yes. dare you, Cinderella? I'd give you a house. Not even leave without her permission. Leave the kitchen. Yes. That's it. She stays down there. And she says, you must turn all this food into proper edible food because we're having guests over tonight. Yes, yeah, she says she needs to make her a feast. And yes, this is when we then cut back and the prince has a conversation with John about his feelings for Caroline he hadn't noticed I did and the king struggles to accept his size of of land he looks at the map and he's like oh my god I thought it was bigger this is where we get the weird joke 
where he points at England and is like, I thought this was us. Because this is a all British, well, majority British cast and they're like, they no. all sound like they're in England. Yeah, well, but it was filmed on location in Austria, it said at the end. So maybe they're more in... Yeah, but also in Pinewood Studios. Oh, yeah, but that'd be for interiors. That's where the mausoleum was. I know, but that just made, it just made me really laugh because, like, I thought this was set in England. Yeah, and it's like, no, we're this small little blob over here. Yeah. And I have to say this. I think his pink robes are absolutely splendid. Oh, they're I really nice. would wear those robes. I think mm-hmm. they're great. And he's talking to, I guess, his advisors. Yeah. And he's complaining about the prince's attitude. Make sure they have teeth. He has an obsession with them having teeth. Oh, yeah, because we've learned previously that Princess Selina of Carisfeld, who he was visiting at the beginning, was bald and had no teeth. Yes. And this is where they come up with the idea that the prince will throw a ball and it will also serve a diplomatic purpose. Mm -hmm. Because we'll get to invite all these other people here and we'll show them hospitality and we will show them about the kingdom and we'll start to make some alliances. So even if their princesses aren't married, we can we can foster friendships. Mm -hmm. And we this get... is where we get our supercalifragilisticexpialidocious slash substitutiary locomotion number. See, it's really funny that you say that. So this song is called Protocolagorically Correct. Protocolagorically Correct. Yeah, kind of. I, it's a difficult word to say. It is. However, again, you haven't seen Chitty. This song sounds like the Grow the Roses. Which is a song from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Right, which song is exactly. it? Exactly. Which song is it in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that Family Guy stole? Me Old Bamboo. Me Old Bamboo. Yeah, this no, we'll had... get to that later right. because that's another one. This also had moments where I could hear Me Old Bamboo, Me Old Bamboo. Yeah, that's just a Sherman Brothers noise. Yeah, but... but I could hear that kind of tone to this one. But this one for me, mostly because of the difficulty of the words, feels like that number of the song simply because yeah i'm starting to realize the sherman brothers do this where they they like to come up with very difficult lyrics to sing mm-hmm. this is a blooming great number yeah Put the correctly correct i really really liked this one the choreography was fantastic yes having all of the the male court members having to pretend to be these princesses and having them all curtsy with yes. their frog coats. Like, but just oh, like the movement so as well and the, the kind of mirroring and the synchronisation, but also just the difference in levels. Mm-hmm. This was a really fun one to watch. Like, I didn't take many notes because I just enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was so funny. And there's a really nice moment where the tempo increases. Yeah. And it just gets... They're all dancing on the tables and everything. Yeah, it just gets crueler. And I like at the ending when the king sits down and a few people swap over. Mm -hmm. This is just them planning the ball and who sits where and who goes where and who are they going to invite. But it is a really, really good song. Yes. And I think the only problem I have with it is the fact that I can't necessarily sing along as much as I'd like to because I cannot say the word. Protocol. It's just protocol. Egorically. Protocol egorically correct. Yeah. Na 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 na. <laughs> yeah, that is what it sounds like. I really like this one. So we cut back to Cinderella and there's a knock at the door. Will she open? And it's this weird woman. It has to be the fairy godmother. Yeah, she looks great. And yeah, she's basically Mary Poppins, I think. Because she's very upright, very prim, very proper. 
And the way she does magic is almost just by staring. It, it is just by staring at something. She just glances. And, and that's very much like what Mary Poppins can do with her. I, don't, I guess it's not magic with Mary Poppins. I don't know. It's, it's never. It's magic. It's magic, but it's not magic in the same way. We don't see it as magic. It's more childhood wonder and imagination. Yeah. Whereas this, this fairy godmother, we learn as we go through, isn't creating these things. She's pre-written the story so when she looks at that fireplace it's supposed to be lit therefore it lights like it's that kind of magic of like i know what is supposed to happen therefore it happens yeah and she can't work magic on herself no which is super funny yeah (laughs) super funny super callous (laughs) that would really wind me up if i only had the magic to help other people yeah. Like, that would be very useful. I w- it would be a good use of magic. But also, I want to be able to make myself tea. I want this person to have a sword. I've got the sword now. <laughs> My sword. I just have to will it into existence for someone else and then steal it. I, I think it would know, though. I Yeah, I really like this. And, yeah, the way she just sees things and they show up. Yeah, so this is Cinderella's test. It's the same in, I think, every version of Cinderella except the Disney movie, is that the fairy godmother tests Cinderella to see whether she is kind of hard. So she arrives in the form of a travelling person or an old lady who needs to sit by the fire and be warmed in the Rodgers and Hammerstein one. She literally just shows up at the window. Ah! Well, so I meant the the musical and the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. She is just an old lady who lives in the town, and everyone thinks she's crazy. Yeah, and but actually she's magical, and she's testing people to see if, whether they're good of heart or not. Okay, so my head canon. This is the same fairy godmother who went to Beast's castle. Yeah, absolutely, and. Turned him into a beast. Yeah. Because a 12-year-old boy with no parents did not want to invite a weird woman into his castle because of stranger danger. See, this is the only thing that I will give the live-action Beauty and the Beast. They corrected that. Is the freezing him in time thing. Mm. In which case, how old is he? But, like, anyway. No. Off topic. <laughs> but, no. I, I like the idea that she goes around and tests people. Mm. And that will kind of come across later on. But, yeah, she magics a dog. She says, oh, I like your dog. And Cinderella's like, I don't have a dog. And then they look round and we meet Fred. And Fred is such a good boy. He's the best boy. Fred is the real pet of Emma Forbes, which is Brian Forbes, the writer and director's daughter. Nice. So it's his daughter's dog. Very well-trained dog as well. It's very, a very cute well-trained dog. dog. Doesn't outstay his welcome. No, he's we just don't... there. Yeah, he's just there. And he serves a really great purpose. But... Luckily, never talks to us. Oh, thank goodness. He's essentially the this fairy a, godmother's eyes. In this the was castle. a really good follow up to last week with Descendants 2. <laughs> I know we've done two like kind of fairy tales in a row, but yeah. there's a lot of parallels that I'm seeing. And like, this is, this is a lot better. This is a lot more palatable. Mm-hmm. So, this story is basically one part Mary Poppins and two parts Rumple Siltskin mm-hmm. because the fairy godmother disappears and. Cinderella hasn't turned all the food into edible food yet. Yeah. And she's, oh, woe is her, woe is her. She's, she's going to struggle. And a f- wicked stepmother comes down, ready to tell her off, knowing that she won't be able to do this. And she looks down mm-hmm. and it's all, it's a banquet. She's like, well, next time you'll have well, more food. It's not a banquet. It's all the food's chopped and prepped perfectly. Yeah, but there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So next time there will be more food. 
Yeah, I obviously need to give you more work to do. Exactly. It's just like Rumpel Stiltskin with the, you will turn all this straw into gold. You did it great. Well, here's a bigger room with more straw and you have the same amount of time. I was telling that story to my year sevens the other day. Stealing my thunder. I'm going to be doing that in a few weeks. Oh, sorry. I have a brilliant lesson with Rumpelstiltskin where I talk very heavily about Robert Carlyle. Excellent. I use a lot of pictures from his Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people don't know the story of Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, I discovered that with my year sevens. Yeah. I put an example up on the board of Rumpelstiltskin and Little Red Riding Hood. He was talking about the Grimm's versions. Yeah. And... They know him from Shrek. Yeah, more people know him from Shrek. And they don't know, know his Shrek. story yeah. properly. And it's very interesting to me. And it does make it even more interesting that Once Upon a Time chose Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. as a character, considering how obscure he is. And my theory of it is, is because Rumpelstiltskin as a story doesn't have a clear villain. What's the girl's father? Well, it's the king, it's the girl's father, it's the girl herself. They're all villains. The only good person in it is Rumpelstiltskin. But then not really because he wants a child. But like at the same time... What I'll say to this, he gives the queen a chance and he does say to the queen, the final night, all I want in return is your firstborn child for doing this. And she thinks to herself, well, I don't have to have a child. Mm -hmm. She goes into that contract knowing, well, well, she's never going to honour it. It's the same thing as, like, Into the Woods. Mm. Is the witch in Into the Woods really the bad guy? No. I would like a Rumpelstiltskin musical. That would be cool. Someone somewhere make it work. Or I'll make it work, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Rumpelstiltskin as a musical would be great. I don't know what we call it, but we'll make it work. Mm -hmm. So, we're back in the palace i really like the way this goes back forth back forth back forth we don't i feel we spend more time with the prince than we ever do cinderella like her sections are smaller but Mm -hmm. i really like that we're going back and forth it's like narratively we have part one for both the characters we go to part two for both characters and the prince says that this ball is degrading it's like he's the grand prize at a summer fair Mm -hmm. and i like the idea that he he's like i'm not here to be oogled I'm not some prize that can be easily won. No cage shall ensnare me. You know. What does he call himself? It's like a prize ball. Yeah. And it's like, that's basically how they're treating you. It really is. It and sense. it's quite nice. This is usually a very female encoded plot point. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. That his character arc, his trajectory is usually what princesses go through. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting to see it from the male Point of view. We get a bride finding ball. A bride finding ball. Cousin Montague is so creepy. He's basically aware that he cannot get married until the prince has, and he's desperate and he doesn't mind getting sloppy seconds or second prize. And it's really like, I just don't like that about him. He's such a weird, creepy character. Yeah. And he takes great pride in the way he says that as well and it's just like yeah leave some of the girls for us cousin and it's like mm, maybe i won't and <laughs> I, I like they the should fa- run yeah this is it that the prince isn't seeing them as conquests where he's seeing them as, as people but mm-hmm. also people he's not compatible with and then you got creepy cousin montague mm-hmm. who's just like i will take anything that moves it's it makes me really dislike him and i'm glad he doesn't show up more than he does he's quite nice as like the anti-prince you know 
He doesn't need to be a big plot point. He serves his purpose when it's there. Yeah. But he's not prominent. And if he was prominent, I think this music would lose serious points for me. Because mm-hmm. I wouldn't like him being on screen. He's the closest thing I think we have to a villain in the prince's side of the story. But even then, he's not really a villain. But he's not really doing anything to be yeah. considered villainous. So yeah. No, but he's just like, ugh, gross. Yeah, he's a creepy dude. <laughs> At the end of this song... We get some lovely father-son interaction mm-hmm. when the king says, do as I did when I took your mother. Close your eyes and think of Euphrania. Yeah, at which point I was like, who's Euphrania? It's their kingdom. It's their kingdom. Yeah. I didn't catch that. And then we get a really nice montage of the invites to the ball being sent out. So basically everyone has painted a picture of the prince and it's on a scroll and they take it. Yeah, all these different um, painters have painted these pictures of the prince and he stood with a cardboard cutout of the prince's outfit. He just sticks his head through the hole in it. Yeah. Hilarious. And yeah, we get really nice moments where these heralds go to deliver the pictures. We get one where as soon as he arrives at the castle, he gets shot with an arrow, Mm -hmm. which is so funny. Yeah, he's dead. We get another one where he's thrown off a bridge into the moat. And yeah, we come back and the king says, well, six out of 16 said yes. It's it's not great. Yeah. So um, they only got six princesses to agree to even turn up. Let's just invite the local nobility because mm-hmm. we can't have a ball with six. It'll be embarrassing. Yeah, that would be embarrassing. Very embarrassing. So we cut back and we see the wicked step family mm-hmm. getting their invite. And they're all excited because they think they are the only ones. And it's not a big proclamation. It's not like a everyone's coming. It's a you are invited. Yeah, it's not the prince is giving a ball. It's just here's your invite. Because also it's not an annual thing, is it? Mm-mm. It's a it's a one off. So this is a big deal. And they think that for some reason they have been summoned to this party and they go to get dresses and they arrive at the dressmakers in town. He's like, I've run out and I... But how have you run out? out. We haven't shopped yet. And it's like, well, everyone's got an invite. And then it twigs that they're nothing special. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they they go back and Cinderella has to transform three old dresses into brand new dresses. Yep. So it's Rumble Silkskin take two. This time it's with the dresses and not the food. Mm -hmm. This is a really nice moment. So we cut to the fairy godmother's house we see fred running away Mm -hmm. and we cut to fairy godmother's house and the first thing we see is a thank you letter from robin hood and maid marion yeah and they've given her a little like a little tree with an arrow in it yeah which is obviously from sherwood she's the author she's writing all these stories all these fairy tales are linked she is the fairy godmother yes and she's and i think this is amazing so she this version is also the same one who would have gone and done beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. absolutely this fairy godmother has gone and has been like well beast you're not nice so i'm gonna freeze you until you can learn to do the right thing the hens are called hansel and gretel so are they actually hansel and gretel or is that a memento did she also write that story probably and hansel and gretel gave them that gave gave the fairy godmother the hens as a thank you and she named them after them i think they're doves whatever but yeah the, turtle doves yeah where did i get hens from how weird because no, on her desk she has henrietta ah hen, yes that's which where. personally in the, so the sequel to the wizard of oz 
Dorothy has a hen called Henrietta. So she's written. It's Henrietta. She says that she's very busy at the moment. She's trying to look at her diary. Mm-hmm. She has to help a little mermaid. Mm-hmm. She has to hatch busy an ugly duckling. And she has to go and get a key cut for Pandora's box. Which is traumatising. Trauma- a little bit worrying. But also just very, very cool that it's not just one style of story that she is involved in. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some Greek mythology there. We've got, is it Aesop's Fables for the Ugly Duckling? No, that's Hans Christian Andersen. That's Hans Christian. Okay, yeah. so there's a lot of Hans Christian Andersen here. That's fine. Yeah, because she says, and Hans Christian Andersen thinks he's busy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I really like this one, but this is where we learn that she can't do magic for herself. Mm-hmm. So yes, naturally she does. The only thing she can think of, she breaks into Cinderella's kitchen. Obviously. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> and she looks at the dresses that Cinderella has made and she just says, well, they're rather hopeless, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And Cinderella says, yes, I ruined them. And she comes out and says, I am a fairy godmother. Please don't ask how I got into it. I can tell you how she got into it. How did she get into it? She signed up for lessons from a man in London. <laughs> I don't think that's how you become a fairy. I No, no, I think she signed up for the fairy course, whereas Eglantine signed up for the witch course. Oh, you think? Uh, of, of course he's going to have multiple courses with different books that he stumbled across. Or just the same spells. But, but she thinks they're for being a fairy godmother when they're actually for... Being a witch. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. And, yes, she helps make the dresses more presentable. Mm-hmm. So she does her rumple stiltskin magic again. Yep. The only difference is she doesn't want anything out of it. And, yes, the Wicked Trio go off to the ball. And Cinderella, I, I guess a day has passed at this point. Yeah. Because Cinderella then imagines herself at the ball and we cut to the fairy godmother walking around outside. She goes, I'm going to be late, but I guess I've got time for this. So she walks back into the shot and goes into Cinderella's Mm -hmm. and she makes time. And she explains that her power is not finite. You know, there's, there's limits to it. Yeah. Which is a really nice explanation for why it stops at midnight. It's kind of like, I can borrow this for this period of time. This is a lot of magic for me to do at once, so I've got to spread it out. It's not permanent magic, so you have to be done by midnight. Mm -hmm. Cool. I like that. Yeah, especially because she's she's basically just explained that, like I said before, the magic she's using isn't magic. It's the way that things have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she is in charge of making sure that these things play out the way that they're supposed to. And that comes with some kind of power, like lighting the fire. Because mm-hmm. the fire is supposed to be lit, therefore it lights. Yeah. So she has is using up all of this magic, quote-unquote magic, and then is like, oh, well, I have a little bit of time left. I guess I can spare some until midnight. Yeah. So interesting as a magic system, and I love magic systems. Yeah. But I just that, the more you think about it, the more interesting it is. We get a really nice moment where she's a tease, where she looks at the Cinderella mannequin and mm-hmm. she conjures some chainmail 
and then we see her walk up towards and around again. Well, this will never simply work. And I guess magic is difficult sometimes. And then as you get back to the shot of Cinderella, she is now in her dress. Oh my God. And Cinderella hasn't realised yet. And it's su- she's got such a nice personality to her that she's... Oh yeah, you know, she's just, lovely. She's lovely, but she's also got some solid like humour in the way she approaches it. And we go into Suddenly It Happens impossible yeah the way she makes the slippers is really great that she just pours all this glitter into a box oh my God. shakes it and then the slippers are there and i think we get your two favorite moments of this because we get the jellical mice Oh my god, I complete i forget about this until you remind me of it every time we've talked about it since watching it oh my god do you so... want to explain the mice <laughs> i don't know if i can um so she sends the mice outside with the dog and says that we're going to need you and she says to fred the dog oh see if you can find a like a lizard or a frog or something as well because we'll need one of those too because we need four horses and a footman and so they're sent outside to to find those things and when they're inside they're actual actual mice mice. they're the, the same white mice that were there before but then when we cut to outside it's ballet dancers in point shoes with these big mouse heads on and there's four of them and they dance around together and we were having a great time with this as it was and then they cut to the dog going over to a frog and the frog jumps and then as it jumps when it lands it's another ballet dancer with a frog head on and he turns around and he gives like a really scary look like if anyone's ever seen the evil chipmunk the bow wow 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 (laughs) where the chipmunk stares at the camera it's that kind of look from the frog yes and you've just got these actors for literally 30 seconds in these mice and frog costumes Mm -hmm. and it was amazing it's so great it came so out of nowhere but i am glad it did yep it was brilliant (laughs) i think so once she's in the iridescent coach and with all the makeup and everything, mm-hmm. I think Cinderella looks a lot like Amelia Clark. Yeah, a little bit with her blondy hair. Yeah, and it all tied up. She looks fa- and she looks amazing. I mm. think she does a really good job. So we're at the ball. Yes. My question is, where did all the men come from? Because we only had six out of sixteen princesses, and we invited only the noble family's daughters. Mm. Where did all these men come from? Well, some of them will definitely be the prince's, the princess's guards yeah. or nobles that were sent with the princess. You don't just send just your princess. No, because you're would all show begging up. for a ransom note. Yeah, you all show up with an entourage. So they would all have like noble men with them. Yes. Um, just to keep an eye on them and also like all of their own ladies or at least, like minimum two ladies in yeah. waiting. So they all, they, we get a party from that. Yeah. The prince has zero interest. You see him dancing, but he's not really engaging. He's, he's mm. literally just dancing with them. We see the queen mother getting up to dance. Yes. And I just thought to myself, I really hope she busts out the Spanish panic. Oh my God. That would have been great. It would have been I great. I love the Spanish panic. Yes. And then we cut to the front and we see Cinderella arrive. This, okay, is the only bit of filler I think we have in this film. Because the next minute, we see her climbing 
The longest staircases. The longest staircases, yeah. We didn't need that much. We need to see her get up and get. It would have cut a minute of time, but Mm -hmm. there's a few other shots where we see them climbing all these staircases or running down them, and it's like, do we need this much staircase footage? Mm -hmm. Especially because you're like, it's kind of cruel for your actors to have to keep climbing the staircases. Yes. How many shots are they doing? Especially Cinderella in that costume. Yeah. They they made over 300 costumes for this film. You can tell. The costumes are gorgeous. And they're all handmade. And I don't think any character other than Cinderella, when she's in her Cinderella clothes, wears the same costume twice. And I think that's great. That's probably true. So we get an announcement. Mm -hmm. And who is it that makes the royal announcement? Uh, It's Brian... Oh, God, why can I never remember his surname? Forbes. It's Brian Forbes. He's the Herald. Yes, so the he, director. Yeah. He introduces her as the Her Royal Highness, the Princess Incognita. Yep. Which is great. And everyone parts because there's something in the air. Mm-hmm. And Cinderella and the Prince dance like no one else is in the room. Yeah, it's super cute. And yeah, the Prince has found someone he could love. Mm-hmm. And everyone dances and they go off together. And everyone's like... Where did she come from? I've never heard of a princess incognita. Yeah. And then we go to Secret Kingdom. Just a cute song. Yeah, it is It is just a cute song. It's... So, <laughs> there's no way I was ever going to be able to watch this and not compare it to Rodgers and Hammerstein. I think this song's better than the one in Rodgers and Hammerstein. But you haven't seen the stage show. No, so but I have I'm to comparing judge it this... on the, the one that I saw. Yeah, I know. And I get that. But comparing this song to 10 minutes ago, I just think I prefer 10 minutes ago. I, I just like it better. That's fine. I preferred this one. Yeah. I think this is really I can nice. see why. Yeah. The Chamberlain spies them kissing and he says to the king... And he says to the prince, the king wants an audience. Mm -hmm. But we see the bells. We can hear the bells. (laughs) Midnight's approaching. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine this happening. Because from the prince's perspective, he's had a lovely evening with this girl. He thinks he could possibly be in love with her at first sight, essentially. And then... The most irritating man who works for you shows up. And has scared her away. And she runs away. Yeah. Well, I say, but you say the most scary man he knows. No, irritating. Okay. I was going to say, because it could be worse. It could have been Montague. And then we Montague doesn't work for him. Then we get Sinister Secret Kingdom. Like, you get... The the overture to it, the, the instrumental to it, playing in the background. It's the same song, but darker Mm -hmm. and it works and yeah she runs down all the stairs and he runs down and he's like which way did she go and i really wish we'd cut to her just her her, just her stood there twiddling her hair obviously in her normal cinderella and she just turns uh she went that away mister points (laughs) him in the other direction she runs off the other way (laughs) (laughs) that's not the vibe of this film but would have been hilarious this is really funny as well at times. Like, there is some amazing humour in this film for something that also treats itself very seriously. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, that would have been too funny, but, you know, I liked it. We cut to the Oscar-winning song. Yeah, he slash she danced with me. And this is a really lovely song. Yeah. I can see why this is the one that won awards. I 
don't like the lighting of Cinderella's sequence. It's very darkly lit and yeah. difficult to actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yes, I really like that the orchestration again has a dark undertone to it. And this is a really lovely song that they're both just, you know, I'm in love. Yeah. The stepmother is hungover. Yes. Excellent. Always my favourite joke. Shows up in Rodgers and Hammerstein with Bernadette Peters. And it's in Into the Woods as well. And like, of course they're hungover. And they dance the whole evening. She needs a weak infusion of tea. Same. And then we get a weird moment. I didn't quite understand this moment because the stepsisters are coming in and mm-hmm. complaining about this mystery girl. She wasn't even that pretty. It's just because she was mysterious. And then as the stepsister that says that is staring in the mirror, the mirror breaks. But is it because Cinderella made it happen? Yeah. So that was weird. It was... I thought it was just supposed to be a comedic effect of her being like, but she's nowhere near as beautiful as I. Crack. Crack. Um, but that's weird. But we unless haven't had a... any comedy like that. No, yet. and unless it's the fairy godmother kind of secretly doing it from afar, because they haven't been painted as the ugly stepsisters. And it's because Cinderella kind of frowns. Yeah, she like glares at her. Did and she do that? Is this the origin of the ugly stepsister name? Is that where that comes from? Maybe. <laughs> it was just, that was a really weird moment. We then get one of my favourite, like, narrative techniques in anything mm. where one of the stepsisters says, I wonder what the prince is doing today. And we cut to the... <laughs> I'll tell you what the prince is doing today. Yes, I love that. It's my favourite thing and everything. The only different, the only thing I could love more is... You know, when, when it goes, when when we finish each other's sentences, yeah. you know, and you cut someone else who concludes the same line. I love that cross-cutting technique. And this is great. This is so funny. I wonder what the prince is doing today. I'll tell you what the prince is doing today. <laughs> but the king is looking at the slipper and admiring it. And he is so into this slipper. Mm-hmm. I half expected him to take a big sniff of it. The way he was like uh, staring yeah. at it. It was really what weird. What did we watch the other day? I don't know. Oh no, it's it was Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. The film version. Oh yes, and I made the joke. The man bites the shoe. <laughs> yes, and again. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Foot Fetish Musical Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like I just was looking at him stroking the slipper tenderly and really looking at beautiful craftsmanship. Mm. But it was just one sniff away from being really creepy. And yeah, we get the sequence where the <laughs> they try and buy the slipper on everyone else. Mm-hmm. And there's no men's feet being tried in it, like with the wonderful world of Disney. Yep. We see the stepsisters trying on and nothing comes of it. No slicing of heels, no cutting off toes, no Cinderella. They don't even, they're not even trying particularly hard. It just, they were just never going to fit into these shoes. And the prince gives up and he builds a monument and he puts the shoe in this, this glass coffin. Yeah. He's just like, it's going to be a monument to the prince's lost love. And it has been three months, six days and 10 hours since he last saw her. Not that he's counting. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like the addition of... I like, Not that I'm counting. I like the addition of hours. It would get better if we had 
It's been three months, six days, 10 hours, 42 minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> Literally counting. How does time work in this? Are they just staring at the sundial? Did he look at a sundial? Well, he knew it was midnight, so he knows it's been midnight. I mean, so I guess it's clocks. easy. They have a bell with yeah. chimes on the hour. Yeah, me being an idiot there. <sighs> we get this really nice song, basically. You know, how we're going to stick to the status quo Position and positioning. Yeah. Right, so this is another one that turns into a song from Chitty. This is also Step in Time, Step right. in Time. So it's Step in Time and also Meal Bamboo. Yes. But, so we go down to the the kitchens. Well, before we go to the kitchens, we also see like a farm hand and the farmer. And we see all these different like ensemble characters that have never shown up before. Yeah. But have so much personality in like 10 seconds. We see the guards who step forward and are talking to the camera and singing as he comes back in. And then, yeah, we go down to the kitchens. And but it's just great. It's so great. And it's such a good scene because they're all singing and dancing. And it's fantastic. Like ensemble number. But if you've seen Mary Poppins, you know when they sing Step in Time, they all get up on the railing on the rooftop and they all do a wobbly balance along and then they do the kick line on the railing on the rooftop. That happens here. It's got to be. Exactly the same. What it is, is an Easter egg or a homage. It's got to be. Yeah. Except they're not on a rooftop, they're in a kitchen and the railing is just like But it is just, it's got to be one of those, if you know... You know, and if you don't know, so now weird. you know, you know, like it's, it's a really, it, it, it's referencing other work. And I like that in things. I like when I can watch something and I can. No, it took me out of it. Really? Yeah. I like, I like Easter eggs in media. Obviously we spoke with 52 Weeks of Christmas and they mentioned the, um, <laughs> the zombies in Anna and the Apocalypse that they had a, Ash Campbell, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Ash, played by Bruce Campbell. I like Easter eggs. And maybe maybe you'd have enjoyed it more if it wasn't as obvious. Yeah. But it's the same way for me. Shrek 2, I love the opening because you've got, like, the Spider-Man kiss and you've got the reference to the Lord of the Rings as the wedding ring goes on Shrek's finger. I mm-hmm. like watching things where I can get that reference. It makes me enjoy something more. So hearing bits of step in time and that kind of dance sequence for me is nice yeah but maybe it's not something for everyone the prince changes john's position he is now a knight of the realm which yeah. is great he's thank like thank goodness he's like you know what you deserve this you deserve the chance to marry caroline the girl you love so i'm gonna knight you you're no longer my manservant is that her name yeah okay. i really didn't catch anybody's names in this and you mentioned that Sometimes with other shows that we've watched. And normally I'm really good on it. The only name I didn't get until the credits was Fred. The dog. Yeah. That's because the dog is doesn't have a name. Yeah. but that, And I'm only calling him Fred because his actual name is Fred. Yeah. That's the only reason I've called him Fred. I'm but in love with the girl I'm, named Fred. <laughs> you're in love with a dog named Fred. Yeah. I, I think this is quite good with names. I didn't catch his name as John until midway through um, A Comforting Thing to Know. Yeah, I think that's when the first time they said it. But but yeah, the stepsisters' names never caught them. I don't think anyone ever said them, but they had names in the credits. Yep. The stepmother is just called stepmother. Yeah. Um. We we cut to two of the kind of servants about 
the court. Mm. I didn't catch the one he's speaking to, but I caught the name of the, the little man I think next to him. he was the head butler. Yeah. So he says, what's his name? Willoughby. Willoughby, you're my new manservant. And the guy looks so like... That you can't just do that. I don't think it's you can't just do it. I think it's more like, but what about me? Yeah, but he needs somebody young. Yeah, so... But yeah, Willoughby's just been elevated way beyond his station. And he just gets a promotion for being there at the right time. <laughs> he goes, well, you'll need a sword. He hands it to him and then looks at the head butler and is like, well, help him put it on then. Yeah, he gives him his sword as well, which yeah. is pretty big. And... Yeah, he just says, well, that's a great morning's work. And then... We have a moment. I can't remember what leads up to this. So we go from that into him going down to his monument, the slipper. Yeah. And he breaks the glass in case of emergency mm-hmm. and takes the slipper. He goes up to his room and pulls a proper Starkid Harry Potter musical. I'm in such a rage and throws out the window. Yeah. It's great. And it doesn't just... It doesn't even go out the window. It doesn't fly out the window. It, it just, just drops. drops. And it doesn't <laughs> like get damaged the in any way whatsoever. It's literally just like... It just... Mm-hmm. You know. And it... I was, I, it, it was so silly. But... Of Fred, course. Our number one boy, Fred, finds somehow, the slipper. And he, he fetches Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And she, she goes, gets the slipper, puts it on somehow. She's got the other slipper. She doesn't put it on. Oh, she's not putting on it. She's just waving she it. She is waltzing with it. <laughs> she's as discreet as a brick to the face, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, so she doesn't think there's anyone around. She's out in this meadow by the castle, holding the slipper and waltzing with it on her own. But also, <laughs> like, up on the hill, um, John, John... sees this. What did you say her name was? Caroline. John and Caroline spy this. They've been having a bit of a... I don't know, some kind of weird encounter in the grass yeah. because they are they are lying on the grass and they stand up. Yeah, and they're it's behind like, the grass. And why they, were and they, they lying on the grass? <laughs> but they stand up. They, and they were out this. unchaperoned. Now, if I was Cinderella, 100%, what I'm doing is I'm running away. I'm not waltzing slowly with this slipper because <laughs> no one else has seen the prince break the glass. Yeah, she stole take, that. She stole it. Anyone else could take her. Kill that woman! She's stolen the slipper! Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think... <laughs> I think that scene just goes on it too does. long. But if it, it had just been she picked it up and held it up in the air, and then we cut to... Ba-na-na-na! <laughs> it's such a silly sequence. Yeah. But yeah, if she just held it up and, and then was like looking at it... She held it up to the sun and it glints... The light glints and hits John and John's like, what's that? And he looks over and sees her with it and recognises her. Yeah. Then you would be like, oh, that makes sense. But no, instead, it's John and Caroline see it. They have enough time to run to the prince, Mm -hmm. go up to his chambers, drag him down. The prince has enough time to get his horse ready and ride up towards Cinderella, grab her and embrace her. That's how long her waltz takes. And it's great. It's so silly. Oh, absolutely. And he goes with her to her house. Mm-hmm. And the prince asks the stepmother for permission. And the stepmother grants it, thinking like, great, this is our, you know, we're in. We're in the money. Yeah. We're in the money. She sees like... The prince is like very undressed as yes. well. 
Up to this point, every time we've seen him, even in his leisure time, he's fully clothed. Like mm. he has a shirt, a waistcoat, a cravat, and a jacket. Yeah. A, a lot of layers. And here, he's literally just wearing a shirt. It's not even buttoned up. I think that's because he was depressed and had retired for the day. He's like, I will be in my chamber. I will not be taking any important princely duties. I just want to mope. Yeah, he like ran to get yeah. here. And yes, as they go to leave, Cinderella says, in my happiness, mm-hmm. I forgive you all. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing we ever see from the stepmother, forgive me. How dare she? Right. Thank goodness. It has been like, oh, it's bothered me for a really long time that, first of all, that Cinderella says that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that I am. I, you have to work really hard to earn my forgiveness. Yeah. Like, I, I am not the kind of person who could turn around and be like, you know what? I forgive you. I have not. As my parting words. And thank you. And so it's always bothered me when Cinderella says that to the stepmother. But also, it's always bothered me that the stepmother is always like taken aback by those words. Like if you think about the Kate Blanchett stepmother, she like slumps down onto the stairs in like a semi-faint. Like she feels so awful about it. I like that she's just like... I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, this one's like, what are you talking about? You forgive me. I didn't do anything to you. Incredible. Yeah. She has genuinely doesn't think Incredible. she's done anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so it was a great sequence. And I realized, and we never see them again, which is nice. If you can count, listeners, how many times we referenced other Cinderella's in this one. Drink. <laughs> yeah, drink every time we reference a different Cinderella movie. Unless you're one of our students, in which case, in which case do not drink. So the prince takes Cinderella home, introduces her, and the king is not happy and privately discusses that he will not bless this union because he knows she is a simple girl. There Technically, no, she's nobility. But, but there's like, no benefit. Yeah. There is no benefit for this country. So he won't bless this union. Mm-hmm. And then Which is, he's not brave enough to say that himself. So he gets Lord Chamberlain... Yeah. To break the bad news. This was so surprising. Like, I knew how much time we had left in this film, because it's a while. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I quite like seeing what happens after, happily ever after. This is where most Cinderella's end, with her and the prince mm-hmm. married and everything's okay. And I like seeing that, it, you know, the course of love does not always flow smoothly. And... Yeah, he basically tells her, look, you're really nice, and I'm sure you'd make him very happy, but if you guys get married, we're all going to die. Yes, we cannot sanction this union. Your marriage is impossible. <laughs> and he also says to her, the other thing is, we can't have you just living here. Yeah. Because that would be inappropriate, so we, we're, being, we're exiling you to another country. Yes. And yeah, his marriage will prevent war and she must be a sacrifice mm-hmm. for the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. So yes, and it's yeah. very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. We get Tell Him Anything, which was a song I was really hyped to hear because, and you'll hear this in Friday's episode of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast. Mm-hmm. I think this is what Ray said was her favourite song. 
Yeah, I I know that Ray talked about it a lot as a song that has a, had a big had a big impact, and it was one that I was really excited to see how it kind of was executed, and I think this was done really really well. The only thing I would change, yeah, and I, but I think this in all musicals is I hate when somebody is singing a big ballad, and film production doesn't know how to stage that yeah because what we would have if we were on stage is you would be stood at the front of the stage singing this song like center stage in your spotlight this is your song yes nothing should be happening while she's singing this and we have a lot of movement i and that distracts me from I, the that's song. fair but i really like seeing her like in the dead of night with her hood up sneaking down the, the back way the you know and out the castle gates yeah She's basically trying to protect the prince here so that he can move on. It's like, tell him anything. Tell him that I'm the bad guy. Tell him that I didn't love him. Tell him anything. And that is so heartbreaking. She says, tell him that I tried, that I thought it was love, but that I was wrong. So I've run away. And it's it's like she's trying to break his heart and trying trying to make him hate her. Mm. So that he doesn't go looking for her. But it doesn't work. Obviously. Sure enough, he goes looking. And I love that as he, as he's riding, he comes to a toll booth that he can't cross that. Yeah, that's obviously the border of their country. <laughs> it's so but silly. I think... It's so silly. Yeah. I think that he knew... He knows where they exile people to. So he knew which way to go. Mm. But by the time he gets there, they've already crossed the border. <laughs> Cinderella is there with the king's mistress that got found out. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and with the queen's, like, love that also got found out and shipped away. <laughs> so we cut back to the castle and the prince pulls a Bridgerton. Yeah. And he says, this is great. And I, I, I think it's great. He says to the king, he'll marry whoever. Whoever the king picks. But. The house will die with him. Yeah. His marriage ends at the altar. They're never going to have a children. They're never going to be married in anything but name. Yes. And and when I die, so too does, does your name and mm. this kingdom because of what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I think that's great. And the king himself looks like a little bit broken at that point. He's like, oh, no, I didn't consider this. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I've just ruined our relationship. That's yep. fine. And, yep, we cut forward. I don't know how long, but we cut forward to wedding day. Yes. And the prince praised Cinderella to forgive him. Yeah. And it's just like, please forgive me for what I'm doing. I don't want to. And I will never be truly married to anyone but you. Mm-hmm. We go to I Can't Forget the Melody. Ironically, I forgot the melody for this one. And... Yeah, so this... He sees a weird painting and we just go into the painting, but not in the same way of Mary Poppins. Yeah. Or bed knobs and broomsticks. It literally is just like a pan in and suddenly we're at this place. Well, it's it's the swing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the painting. Yeah. Of the swing, which is by Jean on a I've never begun pronouncing names, but if you know the painting, you know it's also in Frozen. Cool. Um but yeah. I don't know why they decided to do this. It's cool. I liked it. I liked it. It's very cinematic and beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Unless this is just supposed to be 
how he imagines her? Possibly. Well, it can't be because it... Because then we actually... Unless it is the imagination and it... Because he imagines it. That's how we're seeing it. It's also how the fairy godmother gets involved. Oh, because he's wishing. Yeah. Cool. So maybe she... Because we we were joking that, oh, I half expected to be at a nunnery. Yeah. And maybe actually she was, but he's magic to this and that's what summons the fairy godmother. Oh my God. That that's it. That's what happens. Cool. That's that's how I'm ta- taking this to be. He's imagining it. He's wishing it. So the fairy Therefore godmother. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, she gets a nice retreat out of this arrangement, mm-hmm. and the fairy godmother's found Cinderella. Makes a lot more sense now. She says she shouldn't be here. It's her wedding day. Yeah. Same as Snow White. You young girls never do what you're told. Men are much easier. So again, fairy godmother. Told the story of Snow White. Mm-hmm. Mm, she, says, yeah. she says to her, why aren't you at your wedding? And Cinderella's like, who am I supposed to be marrying? <laughs> it's like, who do you think? You literally have one boyfriend. This is it. She's Mary Poppins. She really is very Mary Poppins with mm-hmm. the whole bluntness and matter-of-factness. Yeah, it's so funny. I, You know... I think Mary Poppins has now got to be seen as like a fairy godmother to the Banks family. Oh, absolutely. And she takes the form of I a I mean, nanny. she basically is. Yeah. I really, yeah. I liked the the talking here. I think this was the most forgettable of songs. Yeah. And the weakest of the songs. But really nice little sequence here. The fairy godmother shows up and takes her to the, the wedding. You shall go to your wedding, Cinderella. And the fairy godmother magics her way in. Mm-hmm. Magic's Cinderella's way in. Yeah. Summons a. I wondered what a this. A glass one, trumpet. I right until she picked up. I was like, I thought she got a sniper rifle. <laughs> That's worrying. It didn't look like a trumpet because the shot didn't show the horn at the end. So I thought she magic some kind of like weapon mm. to disturb everything. She just stands up. She blows into the trumpet and halts the proceedings, and then Cinderella starts walking down the aisle and this is as the reverend is already marrying prince edward and this other person so i turned to you and i said 100 percent, this is starting a war yeah <laughs> how dare you ruin my daughter's big day mm-hmm. and you know it takes some serious goal to crash another bride's wedding mm-hmm. but yeah the prince sees her and is like i'm marrying this one yep and yeah. Everyone's like, what's going on? And Montague of, course, Montague, of course, stands up, comforts this poor bride who's no longer she getting faints. married. Yeah. yeah, she faints. He catches her and he starts talking. Yeah, and this we see in the background that the um, the fairy godmother is looking at them specifically yeah. and is like, hmm, I can deal mm. with this. So, yes, and then we cut to kind of the backstage chaos. Yes. And the king's like, well, it's against the constitution. He has to marry a princess. And the fairy godmother has just been like, well, you're the king. Rewrite the constitution. And they're like, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And then they turn away from her and go, who is she? She must be one of the guests. She's not one of us. Yes. And then they talk about what are we going to do with this other kingdom? Mm-hmm. And they see that Montague and this princess have hit it off. Mm-hmm. And... And the two Easy fathers fix. are so great together. The two kings. Well, the other king They're just reveals... like, oh, there's no controlling children these days. They're so rude and disrespectful. Not like in our day. Yeah. But my favourite bit, the other king reveals that he's disappointed with his daughter. He says to our king, mm. well, 
he's not what I expected, but then neither is she. God, all right. <laughs> so he's Thanks, like, Dad. But fine, that that this union will save the land. Mm-hmm. And he can go, Montague can go be king of this other land. Yeah. And they've got, you know, they, they've Prince got, Regent. Yeah, they've got their army. Yeah. And Cinderella marries the prince. Mm-hmm. And yes, Fred disappears because his work is done here. Yeah, he does. He just potters away. He's like, yep, Fred. off to retirement, off to fix another family. Yeah, because he's um, he is the godmother's dog. Yeah. He's the dog mother. Yes, he is. And I love him. Well, no, she's the very dog mother and he's the dog. <laughs> Boo. And we get a secret kingdom reprise mm-hmm. as we see them walking down all the stairs all again. All the stairs again. Oh, my goodness. And they really wanted to use this set. Yeah. And we end with a nice credit sequence as the prince gives another ball. And this is done with... The characters coming forward, they take their bows mm-hmm. as then credits crop up, which is great. It's such a Broadway thing. Yeah. You know, film productions, like you say, don't always get musicals right. And having this mm-hmm. is a really nice way to give those encores. You yeah. Know, it, it, it's a really nice sequence. And we learned that those stepsisters are called Palatine and Isabella. It's a good job one of the issues on Palpatine. I know, right? <laughs> Palatine. I liked this one. I really liked this. I had such a good time. What is your best song in The Slipper and the Rose? The best song is probably What a Comforting Thing to Know. Yeah, I said he slash she danced with me because mm-hmm. I did like that one. But in terms of the most like singable number, I would say it is what a comforting thing to know they are all really good songs and i said this before we actually recorded like oh maybe there won't be songs i'd put on my playlist I'd we put, literally can't but I, you know but i'd put all but two of them on my playlist if i could Ooh, which two can't, should i try and guess well okay yeah go for it what were you gonna say can't forget the melody okay fair enough i'm not a big fan of that one so i think i'd I wouldn't want that Is one. Is it also Suddenly It Happens? No, I quite liked that one. I think, my, okay, three. Three, maybe. Because the lowest score I gave any of the songs was three out of five. Ooh. Yeah, so I liked all the songs, but I, I certainly, I, I think, don't think either of those two would be on my playlist. I think Suddenly It Happens is great because we have the mice dancing and the, the, the frog. But I don't yeah. know if it works in that context. The other song is mm. Once I Was Loved. I actually think Cinderella has the weakest songs in this one. I know, it's quite sad, but obviously our prince is such a main character here yeah. that it's nice. Mm. But Can't Forget the Melody was my most... I, <laughs> I've choked about it, but ironically, it is the most forgettable. Mm-hmm. What is your skip song? So, probably Secret Kingdom. But that's because for you, there's a better comparison. Yeah. Fair. So it's not because I don't like it. I like it as a song. But just in my head, that scene, because the other thing is that scene, they are stood outside in the courtyard by a fountain, which is exactly how it is in the Rodgers and Hammerstein version that I grew up watching. And also every other version. Why are they always outside by a fountain when they have their 10 minutes ago moment? It's just super interesting. Just if you look at all the versions of Cinderella, which is why we also say like, if you're going to make a new Cinderella musical, what are you bringing to it? 
What are you going to add? Because we've seen this hundreds and hundreds of times. So that's the only reason I don't like that one. Overall, I liked all of the songs in this. A Bride Finding Ball has been in my head since we watched it. I, it is a fantastic number. I really liked that one. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. I'm protocolagorically correct. Protocolagorically correct. It's a really, really fun number as well. Which character is your MVP for this one? Edward. I, th I did not think I was going to like him as much as I did. I, yeah, I really like Edward, but I think for me, it is the fairy godmother. Mm -hmm. And we do have the return of the most valuable pet. Yeah. Because it is Fred. Fred. But I, as much as I really like Edward, and he's he's so good, and he really does carry this, mm -hmm. I love the moments with the fairy godmother. And I really like the different take on the fairy godmother. Yeah. I don't think it comes out of the blue. I don't think it comes across silly, you know, for being like, she's interact with all these other stories i like her bluntness i like i like her characterization she's not this see now that you've said that i'm thinking it should be her you know how the fairy godmother can some like again look at descendants 2 last week mm. with the fairy godmother look at the disney version that the popularized version of her is this kind of bumbling old lady and look at Helen of Olam Carter's take on it, where she's very forgetful and like it does. I like this version of her a lot. Yeah, it's really cool. But like you said, Edward is great. Um, I actually have two roles that I would want to play. Mm. We'll start with you, though. Who would you want to play in this one? The fairy godmother or John. I, it could be John. There's no reason why John has to be a boy. No, no, no. It's true. I, I've said Edward and then age into the king. Yeah. Because they're both such great roles. Like the king would be so much fun to play. Mm -hmm. You know, you just be really, really over the top and, and silly with it. Yeah. But the, 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 the charm of this does come from a really good human portrayal of the prince. Yes, it really does. So before I give my star rating, and I guess you give your star rating, yeah. because you've not seen this one before, over to Instagram, 88% mm -hmm. of people said that, yes, they were a fan. Yeah, discovered that my mum actually saw this before I was born, so yes. that's fun. Well, your mum and your nan voted on this one, and I guess it's not a stretch that the fact your nan probably would have seen this one. Yeah, no, not at all. 88% are fans, and 12% are not. Over on Twitter, where... I kind of muddied the water a little bit of this one. Mm -hmm. I did a, yes, it's okay. And then a, the slipper in the rose as a question mark. And then I added a secondary poll, which didn't have as many responses, but I'll talk about it. So the main poll, 52% mm -hmm. said the slipper in the rose. Question which mark? Yeah, question, Never heard of it. Never yeah. heard of it, I'm assuming, as opposed to not, not a fan. 13% said it's okay, not one I love. And 35% said, yes, you'll love it. So... Uh, I did have a secondary poll where I said, haven't seen, but interested. And I just want to see the result. And 75% yeah. said, haven't seen, but interested. Cool. And I'd recommend it. So anyone who voted, haven't seen it, but I'd like to see it. Mm. You really should go out of your way and check this out. Yeah, definitely. At uh, B-Way Ghostlight says, I stumbled upon this movie on TCM a couple years ago. It's interesting. I ultimately found it quite charming. And at need underscore three underscore mugs, which is Ray of Not Before Coffee. It's so underappreciated. Makes me sad. We'll now talk more about 
Ray's view of this with Ray on Friday. Yeah. But thank you for you know talking to us about this being your favourite yeah. musical because I gave this one five stars. I loved it and I think I'd watch this again. Yeah, we absolutely would not have watched this without Ray's introduction or even have heard of it. Yeah. Really. What did you give it as a star rating? Probably four. Probably four. Four stars, yeah. But similar to Anna and the Apocalypse, and I guess I mm. liked this one more than you, but that, I guess, comes because you have a wider base for musicals. Yeah. And others that you have more Yeah, to hit to. my five star rating is is more difficult, I think. <laughs> it's going to become more difficult, I think, as time goes on. Yeah. Because I'm going to see more. But I think for this one, because Cinderella... Mm-hmm. with you know the, the disney channel original movie didn't hit what i wanted yeah and I, like i've said in the past i'd be willing to give that world another try with a different take on it hmm. this gave me what i wanted from a cinderella story yeah and it especially gave me something different with the formula mm-hmm. we we spoke a year ago when we covered cinderella what more can you actually do with that that formula this, I think, did it without going too far away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And I really enjoyed it as a result. Mm-hmm. It definitely now ranks my favourite, my favourite Cinderella. Cool. That's good. It's above the DCOM. Mm-hmm. It's above the Disney remake. Mm-hmm. It's above the Disney original. Cool. This is my favourite Cinderella. Well, hopefully at some point we will be able to watch Ever After. Yes. Which is fantastic. Got made into a musical with Sierra Borges. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to release a filmed version of that because they've seen some very, very well filmed clips, but of not stuff they would have filmed for a trailer. Yeah. So they're out there somewhere. There is definitely a pro shot. Yeah. And I guess, obviously, it's quite nice that I've sent a... Musical Cinderella done really well. Mm-hmm. We've got obviously two musical Cinderellas that we could now go and look at for further kind of viewing. The Rodgers and Hammerstein, if there's ever a revival of that one mm-hmm. or a pro shot of that one, we've got that. We've also got Andrew Lloyd Weller. Weller. Andrew Lloyd Weller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber slash Cinderella. Andrew Lloyd yeah. Weller. Andrew Lloyd Weller. <laughs> we've also got... Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. Yes. And if ever after ever comes here, that would be great too. But this, for me, showed that a tale as old as time can have something new to it. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. So, this Friday, we will be launching, I've said it before, we'll say it again this Friday, we will be launching the second episode of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast. Yes, indeed. With Ray from Not Before Coffee. Mm -hmm. And she will be talking to us in more detail about the slipper in the rose we recorded this about a month ago so when we talked about we had no idea about this and obviously really inspired us and i think you're going to enjoy listening to ray's passion yeah if you're listening to that you will find that we haven't watched it yet when we recorded this so make sure to watch that space friday Mm -hmm. but what are we going to be watching next week drew We're going to be seeing some live theatre. Yes, we are finally getting to see some live theatre. We will be going to the West End for the first time on this podcast. Mm -hmm. For the first time since February 2020. We will be going to the Vaudeville Theatre to see a 
brand new musical, a verbatim theatre musical about social media, public domain. Two weeks in a row, something neither of us have seen, mm-hmm. but something that has come highly recommended from at Jared Good. Yeah. There was a stream of this that came out February from mm-hmm. when it was filmed at the Southwark Playhouse, just like the last five years, which we didn't get a chance to see. Yeah. But a lot of people talked about how well this was done and we're going to go see it in person. Yeah, so I'm really I, excited to actually see some live theatre. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit of a different week, I guess. We're not going to have um, the same kind of audience interaction that we usually have. But if you are somebody who has already seen it, be it the streamed version or be it you actually went to London to the Southwark Playhouse to see it last week. Yep. Oh, <laughs> whenever it was on. Let us know your thoughts. Are you a fan of public domain? And, you know, what is it that you enjoyed about it? Mm. And in the same way, if there's anything about the Sipper and the Rose that you would like to add, maybe you check it out as a result of us covering us. Let us know your thoughts. Did you enjoy it when you watched this one? Yeah. You can get involved on the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod, or you can email us mm-hmm. on It's a Musical Pod at gmail.com. As always, you can find all of our content over on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app, by the podcast section, on Stitcher and on Podbean. Make sure you subscribe. And if you like what we do, you can go over to podchaser.com or to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. Yes, indeed. Helps spread the good word of what we're doing and helps new listeners find us. If you like what we do, go over and say hello and let us know what you like. We will see you Friday. Yeah. For It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week. Same bat place, same bat channel. And as usual, have a magical musical Monday.